right, we are on part four of the our series, God is working in you and through you. And we're using Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13 as our main text or as the anchor verses. And it reads, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so our understanding was that God wants us to come to the fullness of maturity in our walk with him, wherein we are not only living right and living the sanctified life, but we are using the gifts and the talents that God has given us. Every one of us is here on earth as a person on assignment. Our assignments do differ in terms of size, they differ in terms of visibility, but we are not a mistake. We are here by God's purpose. Everyone is here on earth to make a difference. Uh, and, and some of us, maybe what we do might not seem that big in the eyes of people, but it is God's purpose for our lives. We did explore that acronym of shape to say that God has given each of us a shape and uh, the acronym S stands for spiritual gifts. Everybody here has spiritual gifts. Uh, at least one. Usually, is usually more than one. But in this world of unfairness and, and this world of inequality, we are equal in this one thing, that you have a gift or gifts that come from God, which Romans 12 says they came by the grace of God. And we said that there's like almost 30-something gifts we read in the Bible, that would include pastoring, being an evangelist, and all of that, which is what most people think about. But we've got other gifts as well, which I'm going to be uh, uh, reading through them, that all of us, we fit somewhere. Then we said the letter H stands for heart or passion. There are things that each one of us is passionate about. A stands for ability, and ability can be God-given, which we call a talent, or it can be acquired ability, which we call skill. So every one of us, we fit somewhere there. Then P stands for personal style. Everybody has got their trademark. And E stands for experiences. We said our experiences, even the bad ones, God does use them to, to, to prepare us in using us in a specific place. God might not be the cause of our problem, but God will assist us in the problem, in the crisis, and he will use whatever, even bitter experiences, to mold our lives so that we can minister to others. And that is why Ephesians 2.10 is such a, an important verse where it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. In other words, the Bible tells us that God fashioned us the way we are with a purpose in mind. The New Living Translation says, we are God's masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a masterpiece. You know, you, you look like one, you sound like one. We are God's masterpiece. It says he created us anew in Christ Jesus to do the things that he planned for us a long time ago. Therefore, we were conceived by God's foreknowledge. We were shaped and crafted in our mother's womb for our God-given assignment. We were born to start what God has assigned us to do. 
And we said when we look at Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, Exodus 35, this is revision, ne? This is revision. We've gone through this, so don't mind if I'm going fast. But I'm trying to bring everybody on board who might not have been here when we covered that. Said there are several gifts that the Bible is very explicit about these gifts. And when you read Romans 12, it is very emphatic. And 1 Corinthians 12, it is very emphatic that each one of us have these gifts. And these gifts have come by the grace of God. In other words, I didn't have to work for it. And when I receive a particular gift, it's not because I was better than someone else. doesn't mean I'm more spiritual. It just means God just decided to give me that gift because, uh, because, because, because. And there's no other reason why, right? And as he says in Romans 12, so many times, in so many ways, God gave you the gift and he expects you to use it, right? He doesn't want you to sit on it. He expects you to use it. And some of the gifts that we've covered, we've talked about administration, craftsmanship, creative communication. We've talked about encouragement, but I want to go back to that. We talked about hospitality, leadership, mercy, and we'll talk about teaching as well today. So we're going to look at these particular giftings for us to be able to find our place. All of us will never live a fulfilled life until we live our lives in line with how God has gifted us. And we serve in line with our gifts and our talents. We did note in our study that when we serve in line with our talents, we serve more completely. And there's passion that goes with that. And there's the presence of God that we can call the anointing that comes upon us. And of course, that presence of God comes upon us. It might not be in obvious ways. It might not be packaged like when we are in church. You know, when you pray for people, see them falling down and all of that. I mean, when you're a mechanic and you're working on cars, cars don't fall down at all. But they certainly do get healed <laughs> when you lay hands on them, you see. And uh, so... But we need to understand that and we need to be in our rightful place in this one and only life that God has given us. We did mention it last week that in this life that we have, there are no second takes. It's true that as, as long as we're on earth, we can have a second chance. We can correct what we've done wrong. But when we pass on, whatever we will have done with our life, that's it. There's no second take. There's no oops. I will correct. And the question we must ask ourselves is that the day I transition, will I have really done everything that I was brought into the world for? This one and only life that God has borrowed us, will we use this life in a manner that will bring honor and glory to God? Can I hear a good amen in the house? And so we looked at all these gifts and today I want to start on the gift of exhortation again, if you don't mind, or the gift of encouragement. We want to talk about that for a while. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 8, and we're going to read that. In fact, I think I'd like to, yeah, let's start Romans chapter 8, chapter 12, verse 8, all right? Uh, no, 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 no. Let's go back. Let's go back. Where, where should we start? Let's start in verse 4. Let's start in verse 4. Okay, verse 6 is okay. Verse 6, I'm sorry. I wrote verse 8 here, but I think verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. You see that statement? We have gifts, right? It's gifts that are differing. Everybody has got a different gift to the other. So the exhortation is use your gift. Let us use them. Tell your neighbor, don't sit on your gift. 
Don't be passive. Use your gift. Of course, we are assuming that you know what your gift is, all right? And of course, in this lesson, we're trying to help people to identify what their gift is. It says, let us use them. Note what it says. It says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. I didn't have much time to explore that with you. But what it actually means is it's not just in prophecy where we use our faith. But what this verse is telling us is that in the use of your gift... There's an element of faith that comes into play. You've got to believe God to give you success and prosperity in the use of that gift. And the gift will be fully expressed and fully explored to the extent that you can trust more God more fully for it. Let me give you an example. When you start a church, there's no guarantee that people will come and listen to you. <laughs> All right. There's no guarantee, no guarantee at all. You can go and you can, you can get people, can build the best building, and you go to the best school, everything, no guarantee. All right? So what must you do? You've got to trust God and believe God that people will come. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to do what you should do. I mean, there's man's side and there's God's side, all right? You, got, you have to go and do follow-up. You have to reach people. You have to advertise. You have to do all of that. But we all know when everything is said and done, there's always this other aspect that is the God factor. Yeah, and, and people understand that. In the, in the secular world, they call it luck. You know, when all is said and done, when you've done what you should do, there's an element of luck that must come in. You know, people who do investments, they know that. Even if you know how to study how the market is working and you can know how everything's working, at some, at some point you need some luck. So we don't call it luck, we call it Godo. See, when God comes in and he puts you in the right place at the right time, all right? So, so we know that anything we start, we're going to have to believe God. We're going to have to trust God, all right? You can start a business and everything might look good on paper, but you get out there, you try to get the business going and nothing happens. Okay? Yeah, you know, I look at uh, this place, Ribisa, Uncle Charlie, Uncle Charlie here. You know, every time I pass that place, I always think about the luck thing. You know, and some of you might not know, but there's this place, it's Uncle Charlie, but they, they've renamed it now. Anybody knows what it's called? Still Uncle Charlie, right? Uncle Charlie, this area, this side. This area, when we were young, was the, the center, the epicenter of everything. There were huge restaurants, roadhouses, because the route that went to town used to come past that area. So it was a thriving, booming business. I mean, there was a lot. I mean, I remember, I mean, I used to be in a Patco bus looking at the roadhouse. We didn't have enough money to go to the roadhouse those days. You didn't have money, you know. But then what happened? Development came, and, and they built the, 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 the highway. And what the highway did, it almost goes to Uncle Charlie. Highway comes this way, and before Uncle Charlie, it turns. And this big booming business overnight just shriveled. Just shriveled. Right? Right. Now, now, you see, these business owners, probably they might have felt that, oh, we're going to be here for the next 30 years. But one thing comes that changes everything forever. Now, that's why I'm talking about the God factor. The God factor. The God factor in God leading you, giving you insight, giving you wisdom, sometimes, you know, prompting you to do certain things. So we all know that. So this verse, it says, if your gift is prophecy, prophesy in proportion to your faith. Believe God for it. Ask God to help you, you know, depend on God. 
And then the next verse, I love the next verse. It says, and in the New King James, if it is ministry, let us use our ministering. But the King James says, if it is ministry, wait on your ministering. What it actually means is this, and I, and I liked it. it. What it means is this. If you know you are gifted of God in ministering in the way it's, it, it means there, it says, learn to stay in development Exercise yourself in developing the gift that God has given you and don't try to launch prematurely. Amen. See, there are many people with great gifts, and, and, but they don't take the time to develop those gifts, right? And in these days where we live in a world where everything must be, you know, even the news today, we want, you know, it must be time-coded, it must happen now. So, there are a lot of people who have got great plans, great gifts, but they launch prematurely. They don't have the patience to wait to be developed. It may not be fully, but to be developed enough such that when you launch, at least there are certain things about you that have developed. All right? So it talks about waiting on the ministry. And this is the same thing in pastoring, you know, same thing in teaching. There are gifts and talents that grow in your life. Certain abilities that grow in your life. You know, we, I appreciate it more because I know the prayers I prayed as a young pastor. You know, I was praying, God, make the church grow. Jesus, I believe. <clears throat> I receive it. 500 people, Jesus. Hallelujah. Tomorrow. Because <laughs> you think, you think, you know, you want the church to just grow like this. But what you don't realize is as much as there's no problem in God doing that, you are not ready. Yeah. Because once you run a church of 500 people, there are certain things that are different now. Yeah. So you've got to wait for your ministering, meaning you've got to stay in training, allow God to work in you, and let God ease you into success. Too many people want to fast track and microwave success. I like what John Maxwell says. He says, he says success is not an event. Success is a journey. You know, and he gives such a great illustration. He says, you know, when people graduate, you know, whatever you've studied at university, and on that day when you're there, and, you know, it's your graduation day, we all come and shake your hand and say, congratulations for your success. He says, ah, that's not correct. That's not when they started succeeding. This person started succeeding the day they enrolled in the course. Yeah. And they study for four years, five years, seven years. So success is a journey. On the day when they are graduating, we are just acknowledging the journey that they have been on. But they became successful the first day they enrolled. And then he made this statement. He said, if I can hang around with you for one day and observe your habits and how you live your life each day, if you were to ask me by the end of the day if you are going to be a successful person or not, I could tell you. And it says, because the secret of success lies in your daily agenda. Yeah. That verse, got to wait on our ministering. You've got to take on the journey of development so that when God wants to use us, we're ready. We're not unprepared. All right. And then it talks about other gifts there. The gift of teaching. You must wait on your teaching. Verse 8, it says in verse 8, he that exhorted at exhortation. So there's a gift called exhortation. That word in the NIV is the word encouraging. The Bible in basic English says, he who has the power of comforting. Okay? So there are people who have the gift of encouragement. 
or the gift of exhortation. I haven't thought of a better example in the Bible than that of Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36, I'd like us to read that. Barnabas is a great example. Now, it's interesting that we all talk so much about Paul, you know. Paul this, Paul this, wrote so many books. Paul this, Paul this. But, there's, but to be honest with you, if there's a person who played a huge role in the life of Paul, is this guy called Barnabas. So people with this gift, oftentimes, they might not make headline news, okay? And sometimes they may just work in the background, you know, uh, uh, but they are incredible people and their gift is just unbelievable. It's so incredible because their gift has the ability to spot raw talent and, 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 and develop this person into full maturity. They are able to see a, 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 a diamond that is still rough and they're able to work with this rough diamond and bring the beauty out of it not everybody has that ability not everybody is able to have the patience to help people through a path of growth there's people who already want a finished product you see but there are people with that gift okay look at Acts chapter 11 verse 19 uh, what did I say? Did I say X chapter? What did I say? X chapter 9 verse... What did I say? Sorry. X chapter 4 verse 36, please. Yeah. X chapter 4 verse 36 at the back. I just want to read it off there. Okay. Let me read it here. It looks like they're still... X 4 36. I want to read it for you. See, I didn't give them that verse, so they're still looking for it. So let me, let me read it off what I've got here. Acts chapter 4, verse 36. You've got your Bibles there? Let me read you verse 36. It reads as follows. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, even his name. All right. Sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So we read about Barnabas, and let's go through the following things concerning Barnabas. Barnabas, number one, he was from Cyprus. And as we see in this verse, his name was, his name meant son of encouragement. All right, that's who Barnabas was. He, he, not only did his name mean son of encouragement, but he had that gift of encouragement, that gift of exhortation. Now, you remember this man by the name of Saul, whom we later knew as Paul. Paul, the Bible tells us that Paul went around persecuting the church and he was killing people and causing all kinds of havoc. In that time, the believers at that time would meet together and pray, right? And just like us, you know, sometimes when we, when we pray, I think sometimes we kind of forget that when God answers our prayers, he doesn't answer our prayers according to our prejudices. Right? So, so the early church is praying that people should get saved, but not this guy who's persecuting Christians. I mean, if we were to put it in, in our modern day language, you know, Paul must have been the kingpin of some drug cartel who smokes weed and has got tattoos everywhere and big chains over. Oh, sorry if you've got a tattoo, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about the kingpin. And it's a guy who every second sentence he curses. Every second word he curses and everybody's afraid of him. 
and he's got guns and all kinds of things. And, and when he walks in town, everybody knows that Paul is around. That's the kind of guy. So the church has been persecuted so much and Stephen has been murdered and this guy was there when Stephen was murdered. People brought Stephen's clothes, laid it at his feet and he gave approval to that. But let me tell you, it doesn't matter how bad you are, how much of a kingpin you are, there's a God in heaven who's not afraid of you and a God in heaven who knows how to reach the kingpin. And Christians, there's a God in heaven who doesn't exclude certain people. Unfortunately, as the Christian community, we may feel like there are other people who are outside of the grace of God. But God's hand is not too short to say. Hallelujah. God is able to reach to everybody and anybody. And in response to the prayers of the Christians, God reaches out to Saul. And Saul, and this is what I like about people who are steeped in evil this deep. You know, in the words of Jesus, he says, those who have been forgiven of much, they love more. Yeah. People who used to be way out doing all kinds of funny things, the day they get really saved. You know, how about Pulusapu? By heaven, eh? If I didn't don't be told, he didn't see one. See, eh? They are dangerous people. So Paul really gets saved, and he's so born again that he wants to join himself to the other Christians. Let me read portions of scriptures to you, all right? In Acts chapter 9, if you don't mind, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue, to Damascus, so that if he found anyone that belonged to the way, whether men and women, he might take them to prison to Jerusalem. So we see him doing all of this. And finally, he has an encounter with God. Verse 4, he falls to the ground. He had a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I'm fast forwarding. So Paul gets saved. Let's just uh, go there. Let's skip to verse 19. Sorry for skipping. I just want to get to the main things I want to talk about concerning this. The second part of verse 19, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. So he's saved. He's with the disciples in Damascus. But note what happened. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Huh. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't it the drug kingpin? Oh, no, no, it's not in the verse. I'm just trying to put it into this. Isn't this the drug kingpin? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful. Oy and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Now watch this. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch of the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him into a basket through a, an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, here we go. This is the headquarters of Christianity at this time. The people who have been praying, the ones who had experienced the upper room, the brothers have been praying. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. <laughs> but they were all afraid of him. Not believing that Upulusitopu came Zalonaza, we are heaven here. They didn't believe it. 
They are praying, but when God works and when God moves, our own preconceived ideas blind us to what God's doing. Verse 27, I like it, but Barnabas took him. Barnabas took him. He, he, he sees this guy who's a, who's a raw talent. Sees this guy who's a rough diamond. And, and Barnabas, because of this gift of encouragement he has, he goes to Paul and he takes him. And not only does he take him, he brings him to the apostle. Someone with a gift of encouragement walks the journey with you. Through thick and thin, through ups and downs, and through your journey of development. Some days are great, some days not so great. Person with exhortation, the person with exhortation and comfort stays with you. Note what he does. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely. Can I hear a good amen in the house? It's amazing. Look at verse 27. It says there that Saul preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus, stayed with them. Verse 29, he talked and debated with the Jews. Verse 30, when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Now, you know, it was because of Barnabas. Had it not been Barnabas, these believers would have excluded Paul. And there are people sometimes, when they come to our churches, they need a Barnabas. And if you are the Barnabas, please help the rest of us who have locked themselves behind closed doors. Who don't believe that people can really change. Because you know, when you are new in Christ, when you are still a young convert, there's still lots of things that are not, are not where they belong. You know, sometimes when you try to exp express yourself, a swear word comes out. I get a part like the language has not been fully... You know, you know, you are still getting rehabilitated. So even if you are, even if you are happy, you just say the swear word, and then you realize, hey, I'm a Christian. He said, I'm sorry, I take that back. I meant to say hallelujah. <laughs> I remember once Pastor George Janssen, the late Apostle George Janssen, tells, tells us a very interesting story of a, a couple that used to have a tavern. You know, they, they ran a very famous tavern in Subukeng. It was a very big tavern. People used to come there and drink, and these people, this couple didn't know anything about church. They'd never been to church. They don't go to church. And, and if they didn't go to, they didn't know any one hymn, no one song. They don't even know any, they don't have church language. They don't even know. When you are in church, when the preacher is preaching, they don't know what you say. When the preacher is preaching, they don't know anything. All right. So they got saved, both of them came to church. They were sitting side by side, and and they're still new in this, and he's preaching, and they're really enjoying the sermon. They're really enjoying the sermon. I mean, he's going for it. You remember Dr. George Janssen? I mean, the brother could preach. And so they, they're so happy. They, they, want to, they want to affirm the message. So they both stand up, and they went, happy! <laughs> Instead of saying amen, happy! Those are good candidates for Barnabas. And some of you, God has graced you with that. You know how to embrace people who are young in the things of God. Go to chapter 11. Note how they describe Barnabas. I love this. Chapter 11. I like it. Verse 19. It says about Barnabas in verse 19. 
It says, now those who had been scattered by the persecution. So maybe let me go back a bit. In the first service, I read all of it. The believers were still having persecution. They were still being persecuted. Things were not going well. So the Bible tells us that they sent Barnabas to go to the believers. To go and encourage them. Because you need a guy like this. When people are going through a rough time. He just has that gift from God. Then it says, those who had been scattered by persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now note verse 21. It says, the Lord's hand was great, was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. To a people who are going through persecution, people who've come, come through a rough time, the word is preached to them, they're responding to the word. It says, verse 23, when he arrived, he saw the grace of God, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them. Do you see that? And encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Then it tells us about Barnabas, verse 24. He was a good man. He was a good guy. You know, there are some people that are good people. How many of you are sitting next to one of those good people right now? If you, if you don't say amen, it means they're not good. So you better, you better be careful how you respond now. How many of you are sitting next to good people? Yeah. No, yeah. Says so was a good man. Was a good man. You know, there are certain people who are good people. Good people. You know, I remember Cornelius. If you read, we go back to Acts chapter 10. Cornelius. He was not even a born again Christian. You remember Cornelius? The Bible says he was a good man. I mean, he, he used to give gifts to his community. He used to, he was a good man. You know, there are some people who are good people. Even if they are not born again, they don't know Christ. They're just good people. But there are some born again people who. Mercy, Jesus. It says Barnabas was a good man. Note what it says. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought, it to, to brought him to Antioch. So the meaning of exhortation or encouragement, it means to come alongside of. People with this gift of encouragement, they have the divine enablement to present truth so as to strengthen somebody, to comfort somebody, or to urge someone into action. They are there to encourage those who are wavering even in their faith. So people with this gift of exhortation, there are certain distinct things that we see in them. Number one, they come to the side of those who are discouraged. And this is where motivational speakers come in as well. Or if you go to people who are in trouble, people who have experienced trauma and pain, these are the people. People who have had the passing on of their loved ones, tragedy that has happened, you need people in this gift. So I'm trying to say to you, even though you may not stand on the pulpit, Right? You might not be on television. Right? You might not be on the front pages of newspaper, but your ministry is very, very important. Isn't it amazing? We talk a lot about Paul, great man. 
But he wouldn't have gotten to that level had it not been for a guy who works behind the scenes. There are certain ministries and certain offices that are not meant to be public. They work behind the scenes. Right? They are, they are there to help other people become. And not much might be said about them. Thank God there's something said about Barnabas. Okay, so the second distinctive of people with this gift is they challenge people, they comfort people, and I like this one, they confront others to trust and hope in the promises of God. You would think somebody with a gift of encouragement would just encourage you, no, 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 they encourage you, but they then challenge you to live up to the fullness of your potential. Because remember, for them, it's about you growing, about you coming into the fullness of your giftings and your talents. Right? So not only do they encourage you and exhort you, but they, 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 they confront people, trust in God, hope in the promises of God. Thirdly, they urge others to action by applying biblical truth. When you come to the people with this gift of encouragement, they go to God's word, they show you how you can apply it, they challenge you to apply God's word. It's an important thing. Very important thing. And then they then motivate others to grow and emphasize God's promises, that you must have confidence in God's promises. So the people with this gift, they are positive, they are motivating, they are challenging, they are affirming, they are reassuring, they are supportive, and they are trustworthy. Just a word of caution to people with this gift of encouragement is that Sometimes people with these gifts can be overly optimistic or rather too simplistic and too flattering. See, you can so want to be encouraging to people that even when you are supposed to be correcting, you are encouraging. And when you are supposed to be rebuking and confronting, you are flattering. For that reason, people with this gift should first take the time to understand where others are and what they really need. Because at times, it's not only the positive things that build up. Sometimes you need to confront people. I mean, Jesus is the best example of the balance of these gifts. Yeah? Peter, who at a point, you know, stood against Jesus when Jesus said, I'm going to the cross, he said, no, you're not going don't even think of that and I'm paraphrasing and Jesus says get thee behind me Satan hey yeah that was strong language but the same Jesus who said that is the same Jesus after Peter had denied him that years later he came out looking for Peter to reaffirm his faith so there's always a balance there's time to rebuke there's time to encourage so people with the gift of encouragement they always want to be on the upbeat all the time and even if they're not happy to see you they say I'm so happy to see you even if you're not looking nice, they say you're looking nice. They're, they're trying to say something nice, but it can just be flattery. Okay, so uh, sometimes they just need to uh, uh, think about that carefully. Let me move to the next gift quickly. We don't have much time, but uh, I, I, I don't want to close without talking about this one. The next one is the gift of teaching. Please allow me not to read the verses in which we read about this gift it's Romans 12, 7, 1 Corinthians 20, 12, 28, and 2 Timothy 2, 2. I won't read those verses. You can read them at home. 
Romans 12, 7, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and 2 Timothy 2, 2. This gift of teaching, it's a divinely imparted ability that comes from God. And that word teaching literally means to instruct. All right? This is how it works. The gift of teaching is that divine enablement to understand, clearly explain, and in a church setting, to apply the word of God, causing greater Christ-likeness in the listeners. So it's someone who comes up, takes God's word, breaks it up, teaches it so that we can consume it. Right? See, not all, and, and I heard somebody say, and I, I, I like this when this man said, he said, you know, you, you, he said, much as we go to school to learn how to teach, but he said, to teach the Bible, you need something extra, extra. Because, you know, you can, you can, the Bible, you know, when you go into the Bible, there's, there's so many routes you can take with the Bible. You can teach this Bible as a historical book, right? You can teach it as a scientific book if you want. You, there's so many sides to the Bible. But the issue about the Bible is that you can get up and tell us the story about Jonah and the whale. And I'm sitting there thinking, I like Jonah, I like the whale, but what does it have to do with me? And this is the thing that I used to struggle with as a child going to church. And I appreciated going to church, except that whatever the preacher said, it was good in the Bible. But Jonah, is it him who swallowed the whale or the whale swallowed him? One of the two. Somebody swallowed somebody. But no, 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 then, then what? I mean, really? Noah and the ark, then what? So, the Bible teacher is able to go into that story. And by God's inspiration, and of course study and all of that, they're able to bring that story into practical reality. And this is where we all, most of the times lose young people. Where the preaching doesn't talk to their life. It all stays in the spiritual, it all stays in the historical. And it's all symbolic. You know, it's nice to do church tradition and, and do all our liturgy and it's all symbolic, you know. But at the end of the day, when we leave the church, we're going to have to hit those streets. And we have to have real answers to life problems. Are you understanding what I mean? So, you know, so, so yeah, 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 I don't mind, I don't mind, I don't mind. My club lost yesterday, so I can take a little bit of that. Don't mind at all. Yeah, yeah. So... It's important, let me talk about church for now, that people who are in teaching departments and those who are running cell groups must have the gift of teaching. There's nothing as frustrating as somebody taking a text, teaching, and they're all in the spirit, they're all inspired, but you, you don't know what they're talking about. Even their amen, it's, a, it's an amen that demands you to say amen. They go, amen? And you say amen, Mara, I don't understand. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? I remember years ago, I went to one of, it's many years ago, so you won't know. I went to one of our cell groups, and the cell group leader was doing that kind of a thing. This is many years ago. Things have changed now. And I was sitting in the cell group, and I'm, I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm sitting in the cell group, and I'm thinking, you know what? The only reason I'm coming here is because I'm trying to be an exemplary Pastor Mara. If I had a choice, anybody knows what I'm talking about? It's those people who talk and talk and they say, you ask them, why are you saying this? But it goes without saying. Hey! Don't tell me it goes without saying. Explain. And it's a sad thing, Barcelona, when people who are not gifted in these gifts want to play this role. 
and insist. Take it to other sectors. What about in schools, in universities? Okay. We need people with this gift. And I know from my schooling days, I used to enjoy the classes of certain teachers. I couldn't wait for them to come to class. I've talked about her many times. Memradise. You know, Memradise. I think about her all the time. Yes, there they go. You know, I was going there, right? Yeah, you, you know her? You know her, Memradise? Yeah. She was a good teacher. She used to teach us biology. I don't know what you call it, you young people today. Life sciences. What do you call it? You are sitting in the front row. You help me. What do you call it? What, what do you call it? Is it life science? That's what it's called now. Biology. All right. So she used to teach us life science then for your sake. All right? She used to teach us life science. She never even used to handle the textbook. She'd come up and stand there and say, page, page 25. Yeah? She said, today we're starting at page 25. And she starts, you know, she'd just break it down and just go this way, just touch this, touch this, touch this. When you go and read, hey, you understand. I mean, we used to ace her subject. I used to love it. It was that kind of a teacher when she, when she, start, when she starts concluding, we go, oh. <laughs> and the anticlimax was after her lesson. The teacher who came next. Hey. <laughs> I tell you, we would sit there and pray that the period comes to an end. Jesus. And then, you know, those days, corporal punishment was allowed. They used to beat us up at school. And this teacher would always beat us up to compensate for his lack of ability. Beat us up. Beat us up. Hey. You know, he used to be, and I wonder how they allowed him into the teaching profession. Now that I'm older, please. Can I please take this off my chest? It's many years ago. We actually heard that he used to be, he used to belong to the army. And something happened on the, on the, on the battlefront that affected him. Upstairs. He was not stable. So then when he came back, he went into teaching. So, I mean, he would lose it. This teacher, he used to teach us Africans. He would lose it. Before he came to our class, he would be in the class next door to ours. I tell you guys, he would scream so hard, we'd hear him in the other class. And we're thinking, we are next. I mean, I used to pray. <laughs> I, I used to pray, please God, please God, please, 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 Jesus, please, please, that mustn't upset him too much in that class. We are next. He'd come in with a cane. Yeah, or like it's like, it's like, not Kaden, a black and a Libisan. Shambok. Yeah, he used to come with a Yeah, come into the class with a Shambok. And, and, and just the way he looked at us when he stepped into class. And he'd grit his teeth and his, his lips would vibrate. I tell you. <laughs> I tell you, it, 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 it doesn't matter who you are. You're not going to learn anything that day. And West is teaching us Africans. I mean, it was an issue. I mean, we would sit there, I mean, stuck to our seats. I remember sometime uh, we, we had a, 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 it was during exam time. You know, sometimes there's no lectures that happen. They leave you in class to study on your own. And we were studying and nobody was talking. And then he comes around and he claims that we were talking. He was just looking for a reason. I don't know what was going on with this teacher. How? Oh, 
And so one young man, I remember we had a very intelligent guy, Ntatise was his name, sitting at the back of the class. So he comes in and says, you are all talking, you, who's talking here, who's talking? And, and the young man at the back was so frustrated because we were frustrated. So he spoke out and said, we were not talking. You are the one who came and talked. <laughs> I tell you. He said, who are you talking to, my boy? Who are you talking to? He went back to where this young man was. I said, stand up. I slapped him. Pa, pa, in class. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Why didn't democracy come in earlier? to the, what you used to call staff room, gave him a hiding. I mean, really. But see, if you don't have the gift of teaching, you, 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 the, 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 that's how you stamp your authority. You, you, you've nothing to show for the gift, you see. And so it's a sad thing when the wrong people are in the wrong spaces. Sad thing. Everybody suffers. Everybody suffers. Yeah. And so as I conclude, my prayer is that every one of us here, because every one of us has got a gift or gifts, and we didn't have much time to explore everything, but that I hope this will appetize you enough to go and study about these gifts and start operating, because the world is a poorer place without you. And the reality is that Nobody else can really do it just like you. Because you are a unique person. You are a unique person. Your experiences are unique. You've got personal style. How God molded you and crafted you. There's a space in the bigger plan of God. There's a small and a role, no matter how small you may think it is, that you need to play. And my prayer as well is that for those of you who are young, talking about 35 and below now. You know, the older you get is the mother, the youth age goes. You can say, those of you who are young, you say 40 and below. You know, as, as you. Yeah, back then when I was 30, I said, for those of you who are young, 10 years. And, <laughs> no, we don't go to 10 years anymore. We start at 35. If God can grant you the grace to figure it out in your youth, so that you give the rest of your life to a meaningful cause that will bring about passion and blessing and that when you go to bed at night you will scream and say this is what I was born for yeah. see there's something about it Basarana, when you are fulfilling God's purpose and you are doing what you are called for you do get tired but you, you also don't get tired you know, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a supernatural divine enablement that gives you an extra something, something, something. You see. But when you're not in your sweet spot, you, you have to use your own effort and it's, 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 it's a drag. There's no passion about it, no enjoyment. You can't be at your optimum in terms of your gifts and your abilities and your talents. You just do it because you have to. And in the process, you lose your cool and you don't like it and you don't look forward to it. So you... you go to work late and you leave before time up. And if you are if in customer service, we pity those customers. Because just like my teacher, you're going to take it out on the poor children. Just because you don't enjoy what you're doing. 
But imagine our world. If those of you who are teachers can fill our schools and our universities, can be in our cell groups and in the teaching departments, imagine our world. How would it be if those of you who are leaders could lead in different communities? Imagine how our world would be. If those of you with the gift of encouragement can go around in this country where people are broken and people are in need and you can be there for them. Imagine how our world would be if everybody would be in the rightful place. And the good thing about it is that when you serve in the area of your calling, it brings contentment. With this one and only life that God has given to us, when that day comes when we transition to glory, and when we stand before God, we can give an account. don't know about you, but my wish and prayer is to hear those words one day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's not about fame. It's not about riches. It's not about pomp. It's not about prestige. It's about being a steward, looking after the gift that God's given to you. And your gift is more valuable when you use it for others and not for yourself. I pray to God that one day when you stand before God, I said one day when you stand before God, I pray that there will be a child who was raised in a home of abandoned children who will step into glory and God will kind of play back the video of your involvement and God will show you sitting in a church and the Holy Spirit working in your heart and you deciding I'm going to start ministering to those homeless children and God will show you, you see that child, you see that child, you see that child, they are where they are because you listened to the call, you responded to the call. I'm looking forward to that day where we will be where God wants us to be and do what God has called us to be. And the good thing about that, when everybody is where they belong, we won't be jealous of anybody else. You'll be too busy having a, a time of your life, too, too involved in what you're doing. And, and, and then you realize how much you need the other because my gift can't answer all issues. And I need you and I need you and we understand that we're the body of Christ and God has placed us strategically in, in different places and wherever you are, wherever you are, Paul says, if your gift is leadership, he says, lead with diligence. If it is ministry, wait on your ministering. If it is prophecy, prophesy to the proportion of your faith. In other words, get busy. Do it to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. It's worth it. Come on, if it's worth it, give him a hand of praise. Oh, come on, I see you operating in the gifts of God. Come on, if you believe you're going to operate in the gift of God, give the Lord the biggest hand of praise ever. Shall we stand on our feet, please? Shall we all stand on our feet, please? Shall we all stand on our feet? Just, will you hold the hand of the person next to you? Hallelujah. Hold their hand, please. Because I want us to pray for one another right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We did it last week. I'm doing it again at the risk of being repetitious. 
Dr. Mas Monroe used to lead people to do this in first time. I saw it done. I loved it. It wouldn't help us at all to hear all this and go back to our same old ways. It's not, it's not. It wouldn't help us to hear this and our country remains the way it is. It wouldn't help us. We may not, I may not have a full understanding of what God is saying to you. But I know that God has said something to you. Might not be in a big booming voice or in a spectacular way, it might be just a still small voice. Some of you, God has resurrected your childhood dreams. Somewhere you went off course to pursue other things, sometimes for money or for other reasons, but you're not happy, you're not fulfilled. Just hold the hand of the person next to you. You're holding the hand that the Bible says this person is God's masterpiece. You're holding the hand of somebody pregnant with destiny. Somebody whom when God made them, he took his time, deposited in them gifts, talents, abilities. Somebody who is under construction by God. They're not a finished project yet. But it's somebody, if they can get into the sweet spot of who they are, is a world changer. May not world changer in the sense of changing the whole world, but whatever small change you can achieve in this world in the bigger scheme of God's plan. All of us who are laborers in God's garden and God has assigned to us a special peace in the garden. Imagine you doing what God has called you to do. Just hold that hand and will you pray for them and pray for the grace of God upon them. Will you? Yes. Pray for them. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pray for them. Pray for them. Bless this, my brother, my sister, Lord. I pray that they will not cave in to the spirit of fear. Fear that will try to paralyze them and stop them from being everything you want them to be. Amalia non sembregadar namoledesha. Gile manaha ambrangorialo desia no secordeaba. Bless them, I pray, Lord. Fill them with your anointing. Fill them with your power. Abongre secara de brevele dasita. Ila manambrebala daria nonestim. Lord, for those who are already functioning in their calling. We pray for a greater anointing. We pray for a greater divine enablement. Mange boriala basikara manyenem. Mama Mariano. Huh? Huh? 
Thank you, Jesus. Pray for them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pray for them. Jena Mahama, Mamali Nengris, Jela Manongre, Mangre Gadere Yalo, Jola Manambre Bale Desiatu, Mamariala Brosokorodea, Yagresta Gorodebra. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you that as we hold the hand of our sister and our brother, they rise to the fullness of who you call them to be. Even as we stand together, that's our wish and that's our prayer. Let me talk to you for a while. Please remain standing. We won't be long. Sometimes it's kind of hard to know, you know, what you are called for. But the best way is just to start serving anyway. Just start serving. And as you start serving, there are places when you start serving, there something will click on the inside of you. But I also don't want to close this seven out without giving people a chance who are here for the first time. It might not even be your first time, but you came here. You've been invited. You've come on your own maybe. But as yet, you haven't invited Christ into your life. Even if you love God, you love going to church, you've never had an encounter with Christ. And as you've been listening today, sitting down, you realize how much God has a purpose for your life. See, you are not a mistake. You're not a mistake. In spite of everything else that has happened in your life, God has a purpose for your life. And everything we've talked about and preached starts first with someone connecting with Jesus Christ, inviting them into their lives to be the Savior and the Lord of our lives. So let's remain standing. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, you know my life is not where it should be, I really need God's grace and God's mercy to help me. I need prayer. I want to get my life on course. I may not fully understand what you're talking about, but in my hearts of hearts, I can hear God speak to me. I can sense that I want change to come about in my life, and I really need help, and I need prayer. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If that is you, and you need prayer, and you want to invite Christ into your life, and you need prayer, would you raise your hand right where you are? Just raise it high. Let me see. Just raise it way high. Let me see it. Thank you for those hands. All over the place. That's right. All over. Thank you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Just raise it up. That's why we are here. We are here because we are a people desperately in need of God's help. We're not here because we are perfect people. We're not here because we get 10 out of 10. We're here because we know that the God we serve is interested in our lives and he wants to transform them. Thank you for raising your hands in such a bold way. This is what I want to do. I want to pray for everyone of you who've raised their hands. All right. If I may ask you, please, would you please come from where you're standing? Take all your belongings. All right. And just walk to the front and face the stage here because I want to pray with you. Just come all over the place. Just come. You raise your hand. Walk to the front. Come on. Come on. 